Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Going to be talking about something that I think we're going to be hearing more and more about. And um, it's a little bit of an interesting topic, a little bit of... um, a venture a little beyond what we normally talk about, but very, very, very much mental health centered. And that's about climate anxiety. I am being brought into more and more discussions, seeing more and more articles and actually having clients come into my practice talking about what we're calling climate anxiety. And that's the anxiety that comes with looking around and feeling like the world is on a crash course towards nowhere good, that the world is literally on fire. And I had two clients come into my uh, practice more than once. Um, and that was what the, the focal point of our work was, working directly on climate anxiety. It will soon be something you will see more and more. At some point, you know, the diagnostic world loves creating a pathological label for everything. They will come up with a, you know, a more clinical term for that. They will create a diagnostic you know, process for that. It will be a syndrome. And I'm not knocking it. It's a real thing. I just don't like the pathologizing of normal, healthy responses. We should have anxiety about what's going on around us ecologically and environmentally. We absolutely should. That is a healthy response to what's happening. That is not pathological. It's like grief and loss. It should occur and it should go on as long as it has to go on for, and there's no right time that it should, you know, heal itself. Um, and that's why we got to get away from having these weird arbitrary timeframes back to the point at hand is this is a real thing. And if you're experiencing it, I got your back. We're going to talk about it tonight. And if you're not, maybe just an interesting topic. And also as always, these things, the way we talk about topics, it can always be applied to other things. So even though we're talking about climate anxiety, if you don't have it, you might have anxiety around something else. So you can still apply what we're talking about tonight to that, but we all should be experiencing some form of climate anxiety. Uh, Little, little itty bitty baby changes are just little band-aids on a larger wound, a larger problem, but our actions are still worthwhile because the mental health work around anxiety is to start to anchor ourselves and to feel in control and to take the power back. And that's what tonight's topic is going to be about. Um, Recognizing, so just calling this out on the front end, that the changes really need to be made systemically and institutionally. Um, Each of us, by turning off the lights and taking shorter showers, that is a drop in the bucket. That is not enough to reverse the ecological damage that has occurred and is continuing to occur. It needs to happen, as I said, on larger macro levels. Institutions who are creating the most, you know, destruction need to be better managed and um, have some ethics applied to them. 
because it's these larger companies that are really creating the problems on our planet, not people taking longer showers. Um, so, and we did a show on veganism and how plant-based diet is one of the most profound ways we can actually try to heal and reverse the ecological damage we're doing. The, the uh, meat and dairy industry, factory farming, often leaves a far worse ecological imprint or you know ecological damage than the automobile, automobile industry. And we talk a lot about the automobile industry, but it's really about our fishing practices and you know factory farming. But tonight we're not gonna talk about that. We're generalizing and talking about, like I said, uh, climate anxiety. And uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, there's even trackers. Sorry, I was looking at something out of the Washington Post. They were talking about the fact that there's actually a tracker, you can Google this, that keeps you up to date on all of the president's, President Biden's environmental actions. Now, for some, that's gonna be part of that soothing process to just literally look at what's being done in service of trying to roll back and heal some of the damage that we've created. So that's something to think about. Uh, again, when we have anxiety or as we're watching the world around us, uh, I don't know what adjectives to use. I, I don't feel like these are big enough adjectives fall apart, head towards destruction. Um, it helps us to know that change is slowly happening. Whether or not it's enough, if the pace is fast enough, if the um, changes themselves are large enough, that's a second conversation. But it helps us to see, oh, there's attention being paid to this. Because as I always say, we need to feel like there are others in our struggles with us. And that's why one of the things I talk over and over and over about is whatever you're struggling with, we need to have community. Even if it's not in real time, it might be via online, via therapist, via community resources, via Facebook page, via things we follow on social media, groups we're part of, books or articles we're reading, and reminds us that other people are in this work. We don't feel alone. Again, even if it's only because you're spending time with an author who's writing on these topics. But that's part of the work. If, if you're finding yourself sitting alone in your home, anxious, no one to process this with, no one else seems to care, you have to have the actual experience of knowing and seeing others care. Because there's always a difference between the uh, rational and literal and the emotional. And what tends to impact us more and matter most is the emotional truth. You might rationally know, oh, other people are working on this because it'd be unreasonable to think that I'm literally the only person who's aware of this. But we need to actually have the experience. It's experiential. We need to actually see and hear others doing it for our emotional truth to align with the rational, literal truth. So that, again, is the first part. So we're going to spend the night talking about this. Again, apply all this to any generalized anxiety of any kind, but you're going to hear more and more of this. There's more articles. There's more books. There will be a diagnostic label for it soon. God bless. Curious to see how that's going to go. And uh, if you're someone who works in the mental health field, if you haven't already, you're going to hear this coming through your doors. Uh, and again, it's a normal response, not pathological. We all should be feeling this way. But we're going to talk about how to cope with it. Of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And uh, give us a little bit of follow back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we're back and we're talking tonight about climate anxiety it might be the first time you've heard that term maybe you think it's too niche but again anxiety can be applied to anything and there's nothing pathological about noticing, tracking, keeping up with all the damage that's being done to our climate and our planet and global warming and to have some feelings about it. I'm seeing more and more of that coming into my office, tons of books, tons of articles being written about it, and it's going to get worse. And so again, if you don't relate to this directly, this applies to working with any form of anxiety. So the show's still for you. It's just, I always use a certain entry point or a certain topic as a springboard, but always generalize this. It's always generalized skills, but we're talking about climate anxiety. So what's the definition? Climate anxiety is when you feel anxious or nervous or worried um, as a result of the climate change and the consequences of it and uh, existential anxiety about what, what then does the future hold? And that has an impact on your mood. Depression, anxiety, helplessness, hopelessness. <clears throat> it's a serious thing. So what I was talking about in the... Um, earlier segment was that one of the things I always recommend is finding community. We have to feel as though we're not in something alone because part of dealing with anxiety, especially around something like this is to feel as though there's change to come, that there are solutions that other people are in this with us, that we are not by ourselves because it can feel very isolating. That's, that's what a lot of clients will call out, or at least that's what I see in them, whether they recognize it or not, is that they feel as though no one else is finding this important. And so not only do they have anxiety or depression around it, but they also now feel lonely with it. Who can I talk to about it? Why does no one care? And it becomes something that makes them kind of feel ostracized. And in those times, instead of like leaning in, which is what we need to do and keep connecting and finding ways to connect, we lean out and further honor that disconnection and it gets worse. So we're kind of talking about ways to process and get through this. Um, okay, let's talk quickly about what the symptoms are. And if this is just something that's on top of mind, then then maybe you just have a climate awareness. 
you know, cause there's a difference between climate anxiety, which is something that's a little more clinical and just the awareness and frustration around it. So if you're feeling very functional about it, it's not having a negative impact to you, but yes, you are keenly aware of it and you're keeping track and you're reading the articles and maybe you're recycling and composting and you're vegan and you're doing all these things. You might just be living in, you know, awareness and that's awesome. But there are some people where, again, like I said, it's a little more clinical. It's more prevalent, excuse me, it's more prevalent, more ubiquitous for them um, and creating some distress and impairment. So uh, anxiety would be a sign of that. Ongoing stress. For some of these people, it might be sleep disturbances, nervousness, and then it can even get more severe and turn into, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, and um, really start to lead to some isolation. Now, the first thing we have to do is we have to focus on what we can control. And that's what I want to first talk about is what we can control. What can we do? And we always need to feel like we have a sense of agency and a sense of control to feel okay within whatever context it is we're talking about. We will never thrive or have our mental health intact or be high functioning if we feel like we are out of control and we feel hopeless and we feel helpless and we feel like we're at the mercy of something, especially a force greater than ourselves. And so I'm not implying that the things we're going to talk about under the rubric of starting to feel in control again, I'm not saying that these things will heal the climate because they are small band-aids on a larger wound. And those little band-aids aren't enough to heal this. It's just about focusing on a mental health first. Yes, we care about the environment and these things are in support of healing the environment, but they're not enough. But we're focusing first on just getting our mental health back. And again, that's about feeling in control. So how do we do that? Well, pay attention to the food you're eating and the food waste. And again, for some people, you're like total, total reorientation of my lifestyle, my identity. And for some, that is what it will take. That comes up with all mental health issues. If I'm working with a couple and due to their early family environment, due to other ongoing stressors or issues, due to mental health issues, due to drug addiction, and they say to me, I want to be a healthier partner. I want to work on our marriage. You better believe that that means a reorientation around how they're living in the world, how they're relating to their partner, and a change in their identity, where now they're working on being a good husband, being a better human being, being in recovery from a problematic relationship to drugs or alcohol. You better believe means a reorganization of your lifestyle. You're going to meetings, maybe, or some other program. You are maybe no longer spending time at concerts or bars or clubs. You are now identifying as maybe a sober or non-drinker that is changing people, places, and things. This is no different, but we are willing to apply that to fitness. I'm fitness oriented now, they'll say. So now you're counting your macros and meal prepping, going to the gym, identity change, lifestyle change. This is requiring that as well. So I don't feel bad about that, but we have to look at our food waste because here's a quote. This is from Washington Post. The carbon footprint, okay, the damage done, the carbon footprint of U.S. food waste is greater than that of the airline industry because we're wasting food. There's really powerful and beautiful documentaries. Uh, One of them I can think of, I don't remember the name of it. I think it's called, I don't remember the name. I don't want to make up a fake name, but it's about the food waste. Heartbreaking. I think it's on Netflix maybe. I don't know. Look it up. Just type in food waste documentary. Um, Awesome stuff. Heartbreaking because Uh, we throw away food that is misshapen. Supermarkets only want to buy and put out food that is shaped and looks the way it's supposed to. So if a carrot is slightly bent or curved, which means it is completely full of nutrition, completely edible, healthy for, you know, ingestion, they will throw it away. Same thing with all fruits and products, fruits, vegetables, all that. That's a waste. That is food that could feed someone. So just paying attention to your habits. Here's another stat. 
more greenhouse more greenhouse gas emissions come from agriculture than from multiple forms of transportation combined food now again that's really about the food the meat and dairy industry um, but we're looking globally at food. Actually, we got to take a break. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and keep talking about climate anxiety. And this can be applied to other forms of anxiety. The first step is feeling in control. We're not looking at solving the issue yet, although these things do solve the issue. We're looking at it from the perspective of how do I feel back in control, which is what anyone with any anxiety needs to do. So this applies to all mental health anxiety. So stick around and then we'll be doing some DMs. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, because we will be right back. Oh, Rachel, we're back talking about climate anxiety, which is something that I am literally seeing come in my office more and more. So it's a real thing we need to talk about. And I'm hearing conversations about it out in the world, articles, news segments, books, something we're going to be talking more about for those that are really sensitive and aware of what's happening around us. Some people, it's just an awareness. Others, it's kind of become a little bit of a mental health syndrome, um, negatively impacting what's going on for them. They feel helpless. They feel hopeless. They have anxiety, sleep disturbances, stress. But again, for those that are like, eh, I don't care about the environment. Well, shame on you. But bigger than that, uh, this still applies to all mental health anxiety. You just have to translate the wording. First thing we're talking about is building communities so you don't feel like you're alone in it. That, that goes with everything and anything. Now we're talking about ways to heal, but more importantly, looking at ways to get your sense of control back because that's the mental health piece. So when you feel anxious about something, we feel out of control. And so we're working on regaining that control. And I was looking at some of the stats saying that the carbon footprint of US food waste greater than the airline industry, more greenhouse gas emissions come from agriculture than from forms of transportation combined. Um, and so we're looking at the fact that, you know, the way we eat has a massive impact on this. Um, the biggest proportion of food waste happens in the home. I was talking about how at supermarkets, they throw away things that are oddly shaped or looked weird because people won't buy them, even though it's completely nutritious, completely edible. We do our own versions of that. So how do we feel more in control around that? Keep a list of what you need to have. And again, remember this applies to all anxiety disorders. It's about having a sense of control and agency. Keep a list of what you have. Keep a list of what you need. Keep a list of what people are eating. Keep things that are gonna expire soon in the front. Keep up on that. Don't buy more than what you need. And if you notice you're always throwing things away, take, take note of that. Um, <clears throat> We label, we track. Uh, also, if you wanna go further, reaching out and talking with supermarkets and uh, local officials about donating that food. Starbucks finally put something into place as opposed to at nighttime throwing away leftover baked goods, donating it. They're a day old. You can eat those bad boys for days. But we're obsessed with things like fresh. Fresh can apply to things beyond day one. And so that's a really huge example. Also, Ready for this one? I know I'm gonna break your hearts. Here's another stat. There's an estimated 40 million to 50 million acres of lawn in the US. That is nearly as much as all the country's national parks combined. Here's why it matters. This is according to the Environmental Protection Agency. Maintaining those lawns consumes nearly three trillion gallons of water a year. Three trillion gallons of water a year is wasted on just trying to keep a lawn because we've been raised to believe we need to have a lawn. You don't need to have a lawn. There's so many other ways to go about it. As well as 60 million pounds of pesticides for those lawns just to perform good home ownership, just to look like the neighbors, just to feel like an adult. 
That's a wasted 3 trillion gallons of water and 60 million pounds of pesticides. And those pesticides seep into the land and the waterways and create even more harm because we need to have a nice lawn. So that's also something we can work on. I'm trying to think if there's any other really good ones. These are like really, really heartbreaking stats. Replacing grass with plants. Instead of having all that green grass, with all those pesticides and water, replace it with plants. It's one of the most important ways to keep a yard eco-friendly. Also far more beautiful. They also talk about laying down mulch. Quickly kills grass, offers a blank con- canvas for planting. I love that. Uh, here's another one. Someone, this is an ecologist says, ecologically speaking, the best thing to do is to plant native trees and shrubs from your local area. I love that. Because we're all trying to be part of the solution. We're trying to both heal this issue, but also make us feel like we're part of something again. That is how we deal with this larger existential anxiety is feeling control. Whenever I work with someone who's a victim of trauma or a victim of anxiety, it's all about how can we make them feel safe and in control of themselves, their lives, and their emotions. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We'll also feel like, we'll also feel like we're starting to change that large macro system. I mean, again, that's our work for everything. On the micro level, how are we maintaining this, strengthening this, And then also on a larger level, how are we being a part of changing these larger systems and institutions under which we struggle? So if we're talking about, I don't know, racism, we have to start on a micro level. How are we racist? How are we perpetuating white supremacy? But then we have to also work on a larger level. How are we part of keeping systems and institutions in place? Laws, hiring practices, other forms of racism, how are we working on those? And that's kind of what we're talking about. But we have to think that way with all anxiety, but tonight we're talking about climate anxiety, which if you don't have it, cool, this still applies. But for some of us, they do. They're watching the news, they're reading articles and they're thinking we should just all give up. There's nothing we can do. And that's what we're talking about tonight. But again, a lot of this does require a change in your lifestyle, a change in your identity, a change in your priorities. Um, all right, we're gonna, when we come back, we're gonna be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions you got, because as uh, we're answering those questions for you, we're helping other people as well. And uh, maybe there's a topic you want us to hit or something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, explain further. You can put all that in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Love to hear from you. And past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, reshare, um, re-listen as well. And um, it's where the learning comes, the unlearning and the relearning. <clears throat> but stick around, y'all, because we've got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've been in a relationship with my boyfriend for about a year. Noticed early on in the relationship that I would be offering to pay more for things or I'd always be the one buying food, which didn't bother me. But recently we got into a conversation about finances. He revealed that he's in about $20,000 of debt. It's actually not a lot for for a lot of people these days, especially if someone has student loans, it's hundreds of thousands. So let's not get all bent out of shape about 20, which is a lot of money. I'm just saying, most people these days are in a lot more debt. Um, I don't know if it would have been better that he told me earlier, 
but it's really unattractive to me. Does that make me shallow? Um, I don't use words like shallow, but it makes you, um, yeah, yes. When you date someone, you're, you're entering their life already in motion and people might have an ex-wife. Oh my God. Or, you know, have been fired from a job or have debt or have gone to jail or whatever. Yeah. They've even, they've even Yes, some people can't even handle acknowledging that their partners dated or had sex with people before they met them. Like, it's really wild that we want people to somehow think, I might eventually meet this person and I should probably, you know, center my life in service of what they might need to feel comfortable years from now and make decisions accordingly. It doesn't work like that. People just deal with what's in front of them. He has $20,000 of of debt, he or she, I don't know. Okay, and a, a lot of us will have debt. I just finished paying off my student debt. I was very dateable and an awesome partner in the meantime. I was also making money, but I wasn't paying off all my debt right away. Like there's a thousand more questions to ask, but what do you want in a partner? Perfection? Fine. Dump him because he has debt. Dump him because he has debt and then date someone else who then you have to break up with because they have a a drinking problem. And then you date someone else, but you have to break up with them because of, there's always a reason. At some point we stay and we do the work. And I don't agree that someone having debt is a deal breaker. Some people think it is, I don't. I think that that's ego. That doesn't have to get in the way of anything. Debt can be slowly paid off every month at a very affordable level that you don't even feel the impact of and it can exist for decades. Some people make enough to pay it off in larger chunks. I don't know, but Are you looking for a partner? How is he as a partner? That's my question. I'm gonna think psychologically. How is he as a partner? Good, case closed. But these peripheral things, oh, they have an ex-wife. Oh, they have children. Oh, they have debt. Oh, blah, 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 blah. That, That isn't a real issue, unless it is a real issue. And you haven't given me any examples of where that actually counts or matters or has gotten in the way. In fact, it hasn't because you didn't know and you didn't ask any questions. And you've been paying for things, okay? That doesn't mean he can't. So if your issue is, I don't want to pay for things as much as I am, then make it about that and see if he can pull his own weight. And if he can't, well, then that is a true issue. But it might not be because right now it doesn't sound like it is. Let's not make problems where they don't exist. And people having debt is a very normal thing. Get used to that. And it doesn't have to create problems unless it is. And in which case, deal with the actual uh, you know issue that it's creating. But I don't hear that it is. So I would shake that off, but ask more questions. Is he on a payment plan? Does he think he's going to be able to pay it off in a certain amount of time? Is that getting in the way of him paying for things? Because that's really what I hear you complaining about. I want him to chip in more. All right, cool. Maybe he's willing to do that or able to do that. I don't know. Maybe he has to get another job. But there's, but that in and of itself is not a deal breaker that someone has debt. Because as I've said, I've had debt at many, many times in my life. And believe me when I tell you, I was still able and available to be an amazing partner. And also at the time made enough money to create a great life with someone. So that would have been their loss had they not dated me because I had debt. And no, I don't disclose that because that's my private stuff. And I don't have to bring people into private material until they've earned their right to it. So it's smart that he didn't tell you right off the bat. We don't have to anxiously disclose things to people we don't know in early dating. You've been with them for a year. Yeah, it takes about a year before someone earns my trust enough to know some of my deeper, more personal stuff. I have boundaries. I don't just let it leak out and vomit it all over the place from day one, two, or month one, or month two. Like People have to earn their right to access to important parts of our lives and who we are. It's not just something we hand out freely. So again, don't make a problem of something that isn't unless it is. And I don't see it as being one in any way, shape or form yet.
you know? All right, y'all, that's our uh, DMs. If you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our love line at GPH, topics, questions, things you want us to hit, circle back to, love hearing from you. And past episodes are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for love line and click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen, all sorts of good stuff. Um, Cause the work is about unlearning and relearning so much to unlearn, such as things like that, that inherently being in debt is not necessarily a bad thing. It's called being a part of our crappy system. All right, y'all taking a little break. We'll be back. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey stick around. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking tonight about climate anxiety, which is an anxiety and a syndrome you're going to hear more and more about topics, books, news articles. I have clients coming in my office really seriously struggling with this, saying, how can I worry about these small, you know, day-to-day issues and whatnot when literally our earth is on fire? We are having higher, higher temperature days than we should. And we're seeing it with natural disasters. We're seeing all sorts of stuff and people are feeling the impact of that. So we're talking about how to deal with that anxiety. And again, this is really anxiety skills that can be applied elsewhere. We're talking about building community so that we don't feel like we're the only one in this. We don't feel like we're isolated. We're talking about small changes so we can feel back in control and like we're part of the change. Because even though us doing these little things isn't enough, it still makes us feel like we're part of the solution. It can also inspire others. And then that can have a larger global effect. But it's from the First entry point, more about just our mental health, which means we're starting to feel a little bit in control of what's happening around us, because that's what we need. So we're just talking about some of the ways to do that, and then we're going to get into some other solutions. So all of this that we're talking about right now falls under just that one piece of control. We're talking about things like... um, getting rid of your grass and doing things that are more sustainable because grass requires a lot of pesticides and wasted water use. We're talking trillions of gallons, creating less food waste by eating what you buy, buying only what you need, tracking what you're throwing away, eating things even if they look a little different because they're still digestible, they're still full of nutrition. Um, Excuse me. Also paying attention to the way we impact the natural environment. People like camping, people like picnicking, they like hiking, they like traveling, going to beaches. Take care of those environments around you. Um, healthy ecosystems are essential for human well-being and the animals themselves. Remember, millions of people rely on things like coral reefs for food, protection, medicine, cultural connection, uh, economic opportunities. So the decline of coral reefs, which is one response to how people are treating them when snorkeling and scuba diving and swimming. Um, but I want to apply that just to even where you're hiking or uh, camping or backpacking or you know, having a picnic and I'll go to these spaces and people have left garbage behind or ruin the natural environment. They're walking through flowers, stomping on them, pulling things out, leaving cans behind. I mean, I go to the beach and I see people's garbage and I think you came to the beach because you value the beach and the beauty and what it affords, but you're not even taking care of that environment. Oh, that's right. Humans are self-centered and our pleasure comes before the impact we have on the environment of the people around us. That's not a sign of mental health. Uh, pick up after yourself. That is not your home. You don't own the beach. We don't own the parks. Those are not something that can be owned by someone. We like to think we can, but at least be a steward of their upkeep and their care. Um, We need to get better about that. So that's a piece of this as well. I think that's one of the most heartbreaking things is when I see people go into the natural environment and completely disrespect it as though it's, it's as though it's for us, as though it's our playground. No, it's not. We're visitors there. We can't own that. And we need to have a little more respect for it. Um, and then there's the small things like a lot of the, I'm looking at different articles and they're talking about skipping things like your sunscreen and other, um, the word they use is toiletries that contain dangerous chemicals 
that then end up in the water system when you're swimming or in a lake. Like be thoughtful about that. Those environments aren't meant to have to tolerate or deal with that. Then we talk about things like minimalism and shopping more sustainably, shopping in, uh, from local vendors so that things aren't going through this transportation process, shopping sustainably, looking at the practices around which they're made. Things like fast fashion, these really cheap places where you can buy clothing that are always in trend like Zara and H&M, that is part of the problem. The amount of water and textiles, the fashion industry is one of the most ecologically damaging industries also a lot of really good documentaries on that. So feel free to go do a little you know, deep dive on that. But the thing about sustainable shopping is you have to think long haul and long term because a lot of what we're buying is about water, land use, fossil fuels to produce it, to transport it. So anytime you're buying something new, that comes at an environmental cost, whatever you're buying, and we're constantly needing the newest pair of shoes, the newest iPhone, uh, new, 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 more, more, more. That has an ecological impact. and But that also becomes a mental health issue where I'm always talking on the show that when we're buying new things, we're searching for joy, bursts of joy. That's okay. I get that. We, we're allowed to have bursts of joy, just eating a donut because it makes us happy for no other reason. But long-term happiness or happiness is about actually contentment. It's not about always trying to chase a new thing for a new burst of joy. Those bursts of joy are but a second. And then we're left wanting more joy. So we have to do or find or buy something else new. But if we focus on contentment, which is just being happy with what we have already, that's more sustainable and longstanding. But also in terms of materialism, it also helps the environment. You don't need new clothing every year. <laughs> Start re-wearing things. Wear things more often. Maybe get rid of things you don't need. Donate them so someone else can benefit from that so that they're not going to have to purchase new things and start actually wearing what's in your closet. The less you have in your closet, the more you'll wear what you have. I did that. I got rid of a lot of stuff and started wearing the few pieces that I now have and wearing them more. We don't always need new appliances, new clothes, the newest technology, new toys. It has a cost. And I love this quote, the greenest product you can buy is nothing. Because the minute you buy something, we're looking at carbon from the air, we're looking at land, water, fossil fuels used to produce it, transport it, create it, all of those things. All right, we got, uh, we got, we're, we're going to step away. We'll be back though. We're going to keep talking about climate anxiety, also anxiety in general. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back talking about climate anxiety, but again, all this applies to any form of anxiety. And that's what I'm seeing and hearing more and more about. So we're kind of being a little innovative, but also very much in the moment, we're looking at how it feels, the hopelessness, the helplessness, looking around at what's happening environmentally and ecologically to our planet with climate change, natural disasters as a result of what we're doing or not doing. So we're talking about ways to handle the stress or anxiety when you're thinking about climate change. We're focusing on the earlier episodes more around what we can control. What are the things you can do so that you're feeling like you're part of that change? So also talking about building communities so you don't feel marginalized or like you're on your own or as though you're the only one that cares and there's no one you can talk to about this stuff. Find Facebook pages, Instagram pages, find connection via authors and people writing articles, get into some of those threads on Twitter. Really makes you feel like, wow, there are other people that care about this. We talked about creating less food waste. Think about what you're buying, what you're eating, getting rid of things like your grass, which are just about aesthetics and don't actually provide anything meaningful, but actually has a, have a detrimental effect. Talk about the way we treat the natural environment when we are being a guest in that environment, uh, shopping uh, more sustainably, and also 
just trying to buy less. That's the greenest thing we can do. The most ecologically sound thing we can do is buy less. Not every year getting a new phone, a new car, a new, new outfits. No, work on contentment, which is actually what happiness is, saying, I have everything I need. Or, or you don't, but focus on getting it and keeping it and not always needing to be chasing bursts of joy by buying something new that doesn't last and then we keep running back for it. Um, what else can we do? Protect our forests. There's different ways to do that. Lots of local organizations you can join where you're getting out there and helping clean that up and protect that. Um, also electric cars. Man, those are on the rise. There's going to be a time where that's all that's going to be. And if you can't afford an electric car, um, try a hybrid. Those are a little bit cheaper, but they will continue to get cheaper, especially with gas prices. Also, we, um, working on making your home more suitable for the weather or the environment that you live in. Um, I remember back on the East Coast around the wintertime, really working on that, um, doing different things to the windows and things like that, insulation. Got to remember that. So those are some things we can do to feel in control because that's one arm of how we deal with this. Another arm is really assessing our mental health. And what I mean by that is saying, how am I feeling today? If I'm feeling good and I'm feeling solid, maybe it's okay to read that article or to watch the news around the environment and the weather and the climate or not. You might say, I'm not really feeling like I'm at my best. So I don't feel as though I should be taking time or running the risk of reading that article or watching that news segment and having it put me in a, in a really anxious state. And again, everyone is not necessarily relating to this because some people they're like, yeah, I see those news segments. It goes right over my head. Try to care more. Try to sit with it and say, why is it that I don't care about this? And, and, and how could I start to? But also apply that to other forms of anxiety. I was saying one of the number of things you have to do when you're dealing with anxiety is feel like you're in control. And now we're talking about time away from triggers. And for a lot of us, it's the news and Instagram feeds, depending on what we're following, pull us into emotions around these events. That's what's really hard is you might be starting off not feeling great or you're starting off feeling neutral and then something comes on your feed that you weren't expecting and all of a sudden you spiral into frustration, resentment, anger, jealousy, all sorts of stuff. It's like forced into your day. You're like, I was doing so well. But I think the global message in that is be thoughtful before you pick up your phone. Say to yourself, am I in a mood that I want to encounter something? I've done that before where I've been like, I'm too fragile today. I don't know what I'm going to encounter. I'm staying off social media. It's not worth it. Instead, I'm just playing good music that puts me in the space I want to be in and reading things that are aligned with how I want to think or how I want to feel. Um, also, we got to focus on the benefits and the positives. I was telling you earlier in the show that there's a tracker that helps you understand where Biden, our president, is at with all of these topics around climate. And it helps you see what's being done. There can be a sense of relief in that. We, we need to look at the work and the positives. So don't knock that. Don't just research what's wrong. Also research what's right. Also research what's working. That's huge. Because remember, the symptoms are helplessness, hopelessness, anxiety, depression, but they could also go into the more, um, what's the word, like aroused direction, which is you might be angry and frustrated. You might have a lot of existential or fatalistic thinking. You might even have some guilt or shame upon looking at how you're not part of the solution, but you're instead part of the problem. It's a really hard thing to confront. How much, how much flying are you doing? Airplanes are horrible for the environment. So if you're at home recycling, turning the lights off when you're not at home, reducing the time you're showering, but then flying on airplanes and eating meat and dairy, uh, you're not really doing all you can do. Maybe you're saying I'm doing enough and sometimes enough is 
got to be good enough. Not everyone can do everything, but maybe there is more you can do. So really check in on the appropriateness of some of that guilt and shame. There's also people that are having grief and loss where they're realizing what's going on and it's a mourning process. Other people, it's a little more OCD, can also look like sleep problems, difficulty concentrating. That's the thing about mental health is it can show up in so many different ways. But again, looking at your personal habits is really important because we at least want to feel as though we are part of change and the solution. That's how anxiety can dissipate. It really depends on what the anxiety is around. But for something like the ecological world and the climate anxiety, that we can step into. Not all anxieties have an action that we can take. But action is what makes us feel like we're part of solution, and that can inherently be soothing. Um, so there's even, ready for this one, I, I, I had never heard of this before, there's even calculators you can find online that calculate your carbon footprint and can give you better ideas as to how to reduce your imprint. That's important. So check that out. I think that's awesome. Uh, making different transportational uh, choices. If you can walk, walk. If you can bike, bike. Maybe carpool. I love things like that. Um, let's take a break. And when we come back, we can keep talking about ways to deal with this. And again, this applies to all forms of anxiety. So don't think this is just climate specific, but you're going to hear more about this. So there's something a little innovative about this topic. And then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, something you're wondering about, something you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. Always here for you and uh, always confidential, always anonymous. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Look for Loveline, click on it. You can uh, binge, re-listen, post, share, kind of re-go, you know, re, 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 uh, realign because we have to unlearn and we have to relearn. You know, we can't just dismantle and deconstruct. We also have to reconstruct in place. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, because we will be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're just uh, wrapping up our discussion of uh, climate anxiety. It's a real thing. You're going to hear more and more about it as people are being forced to confront, which is very necessary. What's going on in the environment, the ecological damage we're causing. I love this. Google it. Check out the calculator that helps you calculate your carbon footprint. Helps you see where uh, you're part of the problem. And then it also offers some better ideas to reduce your impact. That inherently will make you feel in control, part of the solution. And also kind of reduce some of your anxiety. Choosing different forms of transportation I think is awesome. Getting involved with organizations and building communities so you don't feel like you're on your own with this. Saying no to denial. I love that. Part of this work is about being an activist. If you're trying to heal your relationship with your body, trying to learn to love your aging, fat, or disabled body, part of that, again, is speaking up. Part of that, again, is being an activist, not just trying to change it on the micro level, but also trying to change the wider world that creates those problems. We have to always hit both levels. So whatever you're struggling with, be an activist within that issue. And this is one of those things. It's a terrifying thought. It's scary. You got to get more people on board. So talk more about it. Don't attack. That's never galvanizing. It's never motivating. Share, discuss, don't deny it fully acknowledge the feelings that's for you and also for those around you we're never trying to suppress feelings but we're also not trying to amplify and crank them up we're trying to sit in the middle being like this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm feeling and just kind of allowing that we also have to let ourselves get over the guilt or shame of what we might have done in the past we're always able to start fresh right at this moment we don't always have to say yeah but in the past i always and 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 feel good about whatever it is you are doing there are some people when they see you trying to make some positive changes they immediately want to call out what you're not doing and it's like how about instead you be proud or celebrate 
what I am doing and maybe be inspired to do it yourself. I know that around my own plant-based diet. Instead of people being like, that's really great that you care that much or that's really inspiring or celebrating it or saying, great that you're living by your ethics, they tend to be like, yeah, but you also, and it's like, that's the route you wanna go? Instead of you trying to do something yourself or again, letting me be where I'm at or celebrating what I'm doing, you wanna try to call out the areas that you think are BS. What an odd, abusive thing to do. Like that's not being a caring person. So support those around you that are doing this and try to implant it in others, but let yourself have some grace for what you might've done or what you still might need to improve. It's, 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 it's not perfection we're going for. It's not about that. That's ego. We're not trying to perform perfect anything. We're just trying to be part of progress and change. So loosen and lighten that up, have compassion. Um, but like I said, connect with community. We kind of covered that, talk more about it. Um, try to get people together, like as a, as a relationship, as a family, um, as a social team, as, as, at your place of employment, try to rally everyone to say, how can we bring these values into our group or into our system? And then for some people you should get into some therapy. There are some people where this is feeling that much bigger and beyond them. Um, cause again, I have clients like that where there's constant triggers the news will, will bump into it. Uh, they'll see something out in the world. They'll be looking at their own habits. And we don't want this to be something that you aren't able to get over. And remember, these things can also be more profound or expressed uh, uh, more so in other moments of stress, where stress can lead to other stress. Stress can trigger other forms of stress. So, you know, talk about it. But in the end, it'll really come down to raising awareness, getting those conversations going, uh, making your own personal commitment to multiple levels of change and shift, whatever that's going to be. Um, and it's hard. Like I said, anytime we're doing mental health work, it does become an exercise in changing our identity and also shifting our lifestyle because most of us, our identities and or our lifestyles, our social groups, the way we're moving through the world, our ethics, they're not aligned with mental health and maybe who we're trying to be. And so I welcome that. You should welcome that. I think the final piece to throw in there is what can be very difficult for activists or someone powerfully and actively working on something is to take time away from it. We can't, we're not, we're not being useful, nor are we being constructive if we're obsessively ruminating and living in it at all times. We are allowed to step outside of it. Even when there's horrible things going on in our lives or in the world, we are still allowed to take moments outside of it to find a little joy. That's not weird, that's not bad, that's not disrespectful, that's not dishonoring. You know, I, I remember when I went home from my father's funeral, my father's death, it felt like at times everyone thought as though we were only allowed to live in that energy. And I would say that's happened. That's happening. We are feeling how we're feeling. Again, we're never suppressing, but we're also not trying to amplify and indulge. Can we also go for ice cream and maybe step outside for a little bit and talk about some other things and laugh and give our nervous systems a little bit of a break, give our mental health a little bit of a break? I want to apply that to this as well. It's okay to say enough of this. I spend enough time thinking about this or working on this. I'm now going to put on a movie or I'm going to go to dinner. Or I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to you know, take a bath and I'm going to completely climb outside of this topic and give my nervous system and my psyche a break. That is not living in denial. That is not stepping outside of the cause. That is not being a bad activist. We need that around whatever it is we're talking about. We need to break away from the constant triggers and stimulation of whatever it is we're talking about or struggling with. So you're allowed to find moments of joy within all of this. I don't want to just say self-care. I want to say literal joy. You're allowed to still laugh and smile and find happiness while all of that is occurring. It can be 
both. In fact, it's mandatory that it's both. We can't live in a state of hyper stress and anxiety at all times. Coming up next, some DMs. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, so I just started dating this new girl. Went out to meet her friends for the first time. I show up to the bar and I realized that I hooked up with one of her friends years and years ago. We both made eye contact and kind of re-met each other, which means they both pretended like they didn't know each other. Oh, hello, Christina. Great to meet you. Is that with a C or a K? Um, but I don't know if I should tell my new girl about it or just let it go. Haven't talked to or seen the other girl in years. So it was never a serious relationship, just a hookup. Oh, yikes. I don't know. I have so many different thoughts about this and they're all a little bit in conflict with each other. You know, I'm going to assert again that we get to have boundaries and privacy. I'm going to start there for a second and we don't necessarily have to tell anyone anything unless it's really important for them to know in service of them being able to consent to something that is like in a gray area. Um, it's a little bit personal preference. Some people would want to be told some people wouldn't. Um, here's my bigger point. Okay. This is the bigger takeaway. These kinds of things shouldn't have to be an issue, but we've created a culture where we honor Every, every form of jealousy, even when it's inappropriate, like that's an example of inappropriate jealousy. Were you to say to your girlfriend, yeah, many, many years ago, before I knew who you were or met you, understandably, I met this girl, your friend, and we hooked up as I should have at that time. I didn't know I was going to meet you. I can't live my life in preparation of who I might meet without even knowing them yet. And uh, that was years ago. Now I'm with you. And, and your girlfriend should say, I get it. That happens. I've also had sex with people. And who knows? You might know them. I don't know because I didn't know you back then. All's good, of course, because you've done nothing wrong. So I want to live in that world where these kinds of things aren't questions because we can talk about the fact that we've had a history before we've met our current partner and that that history included dating and having sex with other people. 
and that our partner's mature enough to not punish us for that. We should never be punished for our history. We've done nothing wrong by having made those decisions back then. You didn't hide and go into the bathroom and do it now behind your girlfriend's back. You did that when you were both single people before you met your current girlfriend. No one should be punished or shamed for that. That's the world I want to live in where we're not slut shaming. We're not history shaming people. We're not retroactively bringing jealousy into the present. There's nothing for you to feel bad about. You've done nothing. You've done nothing wrong. So I want to live in a world where you can say to your girlfriend later, yeah, just so you know, in case it comes up, I had sex with your friend. I know that's awkward, uncomfortable because of the world we've created, but it shouldn't have to be. And I trust you should say to your girlfriend that you're an adult and that you can share your feelings with me about it, but you're not going to act them out on me or punish me for them as though I've done something wrong because of course I haven't. And I don't even have to tell you this, but I am because I value transparency and honesty and also because I'm testing your maturity. And if you handle this poorly, then you're not mature enough to be my girlfriend. So what is it? That's really what I want it to be, where you disclose it, but also make it a learning moment to see how mature emotionally your girlfriend is. And if she gets mad at you, you end it right there saying, I can't be with someone who can't function because that's a mess. This shouldn't have to be an issue. Do I feel passionately about it? Yeah, because this is toxic monogamy. This is a form of toxic relationality where we feel like we have to feel bad about our history. We shouldn't and we don't. So should you tell her, I don't know how mature is your girlfriend? Because we only tell mature people, you know, difficult information. If someone's not mature enough to manage something, we don't bring it to them. So that's really the question. How much intimacy and honesty do you want in your relationship? If you want a lot of transparency and intimacy, then you tell her. But her maturity matters too. But some people don't want a lot of vulnerability and intimacy in their relationship, and they just move forward not talking about it. Some people are dating people that aren't mature enough to be told things like that, so they move forward not talking about it. So it really depends on what kind of intimate relationship you want, how deep you want to go, and how mature your girlfriend is. And whether or not you want to be part of a world where we perpetuate that that's a bad thing. That's life, man. That's life. I personally would never let someone shame me for my history. And I personally wouldn't want to be with someone who can't handle acknowledging something like that. And I personally value a lot of intimacy and transparency and would want to talk about it. And I've had to, I've had to say, I actually was in a relationship with someone for many years and I'd gone on a date with two of their friends years before. And I confidently shared it said, just so you know, and I was unwilling to be made to feel bad about it. And luckily wasn't because I only date emotionally mature people. And those moments are tests of their emotional maturity, have feelings, feel whatever you want to feel, but you don't punish me for it or make me feel bad as though I've done something wrong because I haven't. We don't suppress feelings, but we also don't amplify them. That's our show. Y'all see you tomorrow night. Drop some DMS for us. Thanks for hanging out. Y'all enjoy the rest of your night. Good night. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 